Hello and welcome to The Brave from Open Velocity. My name is Desmond Clark, Operations Manager at Open Velocity and long-term producer of this podcast. The Brave is a podcast about the people, companies, systems and ideas that are contributing to building a better future. This episode is very much in the systems and ideas category. Uh, we'll be exploring how AI, with the specific example of ChatGPT, is shaking up the marketing and wider content sectors, what we can use it for, and what are its strengths and weaknesses. This episode is a conversation between Beth and Vincent, founder of Open Velocity, John Paget, one of our senior partners, and Katie Thompson, managing director of content marketing agency Katie Lingo. This episode was originally broadcast as a live webinar in January 2023. If you're interested in attending future live events, you can sign up for email notifications on the Open Velocity website. I hope you enjoy it. So my name is John Paget. I'm senior partner at Open Velocity, a marketing consultancy. I'm joined by Beth and Vincent, who is managing partner of Open Velocity, as well as Katie Thompson, who is managing director of Katie Lingo, a marketing services agency. So we are going to be talking about AI in marketing and specifically about ChatGPT. Uh, ChatGPT is a bit of background, as I'm sure everybody will know, is a chatbot that's powered by artificial intelligence. Uh, it's been around since the end of November 2022, and it's caused a bit of a stir. Um, everybody, in fact, is talking about it. Um, there's some big numbers attached to it. So the company behind it is reportedly worth $29 million. Uh, it's got some big backers in the sense of uh, Microsoft investing uh, reportedly $1 million or $1 billion, I should say. And in the first five days, it had 1 million users. So this led us to have a conversation around its use in marketing and whether uh, it was all hype or whether there would actually be some practical uses for it. And so that's what our ambition is over the next 30 minutes or so. I should add, if you've got any questions, please pop them in the chat. If we have time, which might be uh, ambitious, but if we do have time, we'll try to come to them. If we don't, everything that we do today is going to be recorded and made available on the Open Velocity website next week. And we will endeavour to answer the questions when we pop the content up on there. Okay, so hopefully that understood in a bit of context. Uh, Bethan, I'm going to come to you with the first question, which is, I know we've all obviously been playing around with ChatGPT. So what are your opening and first impressions? Yeah, great question. So I, I was um, probably quite an early adopter of AI content generators in general. So even before ChatGPT, I was playing around with GPT-3 and things like Jasper, Copy AI, some of the kind of paid for tooling. And that was really just because I was interested and I was like, oh, maybe this can, you know, speed up content creation, you know, do things like keyword research faster, all of that kind of stuff. But I think <laughs> it, maybe this analogy works, maybe it doesn't. But for me, Chat. GPT in particular is kind of like junk food on the surface you're kind of like mm, this is good like this is great this is producing some stuff you know I can kind of see how I can use it but actually when you dig into it further you realize the limitations of it and it doesn't leave you fully satisfied so for example you know a lot of people are using it in terms of creating fully fledged blog posts so they might do that through one prompt or a series of prompt chained together to kind of expand on things as it goes and the ultimate result is kind of okay it's fine. It's like a lot of kind of mass produced SEO content. It answers questions in a very surface level kind of way, but it's got no surface. It's got no depth. And we'll probably come on to a little bit around kind of Google's treatment of AI generated content and some thoughts around what's going to happen there. But I think this kind of surface level junk food nature 
is going to be an issue. It does require human intervention on top of it. We can't just rely on it out the box. Cool. And Katie, what are your initial impressions? Um, well, I love that junk food analogy there, Bethan. Um, in fact, I was talking to my husband about it last night and I said, well, you know, we can look at any technology like a microwave. I could microwave lasagna or I could cook it from scratch and it'll be delicious. I'll be full either way, but what will be a better, what will be a better experience? And I think, yeah, um, there are a lot of parallels there. Um, obviously, as a copywriter, I'm going to feel very strongly about it. I'm going to feel very emotional about it. I feel like you can't really be on the fence about chat GPT um, A just because it's everywhere. Everyone is talking about it at the moment. We're probably all sick of it. Um, but I think as with any new technology, there's this kind of um, sense of trepidation, but also excitement at the same time. And I'm really seeing very strong, very sort of polarized views um, from a technical standpoint, loads of people saying how much time it saves them, how it can generate code and all sorts of stuff. Um, but then you're seeing like, the copyright perspective, which is saying it can't replace humans. Um, you know, it can't give you those creative outputs, those uh, personal touches. Um, but I think realistically, we can't pretend doesn't exist. Um, you know, you could look at things like, let's say, Clubhouse. That was the next big thing. Voice search. That's the next big thing. Some things are the next big thing, maybe like TikTok, but not so much things like Clubhouse. So um, I think we have to acknowledge that it's going to be part of our world now. It's We definitely as copywriters, we're going to have to use it to our advantage rather than just pretending it doesn't exist. Um but I'm I'm seeing a lot of opinions on it and lots of there are so many kind of layers to it, sort of ethics and fact checking and stuff like that. So I think there is a long way to go before we can fully use it to our advantage. But um, don't be threatened by it, I guess, would be my overall <laughs> summary. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm a bit conscious that um, anybody tuning in hasn't used it may not. Mm-hmm. Um, understand actually just how simple it is to use. I mean, it, it to me, this feels like such a step change in the technology because it's the first chatbot, like you're talking to a computer it, in the same way that we might be talking to each other on WhatsApp. And the quality of the response that quite often comes back is is impressive. It's really, it seems really impressive at least um, mm-hmm. until, as maybe Beth and you were describing, you sort of dig under the surface and, and you think, actually there needs to be we need to be sort of critical about the quality of the content that's being retrieved but um yeah i think it's that 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 ease of which you can interact with it which seems to have got everybody talking about it because i think for me the one of the points is that ai has been around for a long time right this this feels like a an evolutionary step rather than a, a revolutionary one but this is crossing over from things that are AI that's powering tools that we might use into something that's very much in your face that you can you can interact with um, in a way that we haven't had before, um, certainly at a sophistication level that we haven't had before. And I think that's what's got everybody really jumping up and down. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I guess as a segue into our next question then, in terms of um, sort of practical marketing uses, people may be logging in or reading up on ChatGPT and thinking, well, well, how actually can I use this technology? Um, what do we think? Katie, maybe I come to you first. Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually think 
in terms of marketing um in my head i sort of separate marketing sort of to creative and the technical side of things um and again i would say this as a defensive copywriter um i think it's much better for the technical output so um you know i've seen a lot of use cases of it on linkedin um people even who are um absolutely diametrically opposed to it saying oh actually it has been really helpful for writing things like schema markup that's gone from 10 hours to 10 minutes um things like that um in terms of like writing code on coda i have no idea um but i know my husband is a coder and um he's said that he's used it before to write things like regex statements um which we've then used to kind of plug into like a lead generation tool um so i think for more the sort of stuff that we want to automate anyway um that is just generally quite dull and very time consuming and probably quite costly, um, then it can be really helpful. It's kind of a stepping stone to um, creating bigger, better things. Um, I'm just looking at my notes here. People use it for things like V lookups for SEO. So certainly for the technical side of things, maybe for some um, creative things that aren't necessarily going to excite readers, for example, meta descriptions, product descriptions. I'd be a little bit cautious with them, particularly with like product descriptions. You know, if I'm, I'm going to buy a pair of trainers if I, if I really <laughs> am kind of drawn into this rather than just like blue trainers. Um, but I think, well, it, it's probably better just for lots of, you know, small, quick tasks rather than um, anything that requires a kind of creative inspiration. Mm. And I guess, um, Bethan, that's 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 where we've certainly been talking a lot about it. Right. Is that? Yeah, I think we would all agree that 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 more technical side of the content, this could be really useful for. It's more where it comes into, I guess, the traditional copywriter territory of writing. I mean, at the basic level, subject lines, blog titles, um, but also then actually paragraphs of copy that can be used. And I know you've got some strong views on that. So I guess what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, again, like it's back to the junk food thing. Actually, you know, for the title of this webinar, I used it to come up with the title of this webinar. But <gasps> Gosh, I know. But, you know, it's, it was a, a very kind of like a functional thing. You know, I don't think, by the way, I'm not saying the title of this webinar is the most creative title ever. There's definitely more that could be done there. But it was a rapid way of me of spinning something up as a time for marketing. But that's the thing, you know, the, like I'm saying, the quality wasn't quite there. I think if it I'd spent, you know, a good couple of hours thinking about it, I, I personally could have come up with something better. And I think it's really interesting from a creative point of view. Also, I, I don't know if anyone else struggles with this, but I'm I'm a writer who loves having written and I hate writing. <laughs> so I love the end result. I hate the process. And the worst thing for me is a blank page. And actually where I, I found it helps me from a creative point of view is not actually writing the content, but is that initial idea generation. So giving it a prompt, something like, you know, what are five different ways you could think about lead generation in this particular vertical? And it will spit some stuff out. And I'm applying then my knowledge, my expertise, my kind of contextualization of what it spits out and building something off of that. So I guess like to go to go back, you know, from a technical point of view, we're using it as building blocks and we're using it to automate stuff that people were already automating through scripts. It just allows it's almost like a no code tool in a way, because it's allowing you through text instead of a graphical interface to build code. But from a creative point of view, it can just do the building blocks. That's really where I see it. I wouldn't I'd be extremely uncomfortable, for example, producing a piece of content for a client or giving the client a piece of content that had been purely written by it inspired and maybe leveraging it in that initial ideation phase okay but i i would be running it through an ai detection tool to be perfectly honest 
And I, I, we are dangerously uh, entering territory of limitations here, which is exactly the topic we're about to come on to. But before we do that, I wanted to sort of slightly jump out of chat GPT territory and, and staying in AI territory, which is to mention DALI, which is yeah. um, the image-based AI, that um, open AI, that that's the organization that runs or has launched ChatGPT. They released that uh, before they released ChatGPT. And this, this for me as a, as a marketer is, is really exciting. Quite often for me, the challenge with whether it's putting a web page together or building an email is actually the images are more of the headache than, they, than the copy. And the idea that AI might be able to help generate permission, uh, images that I've got permissions to use, images that exactly fit the description of the content that I want to create, and something I'm not shoehorning in, um, and something that exactly meets my requirements is really exciting. And I think, um, again, I'm going to jump ahead and say that I think DALI combined with a chat GPT is a really interesting space. But I'm going to leave that for uh, further down the track. So before we get any further, and, and I maybe should just say, if you haven't, if you're watching this and you haven't uh, had a look at DALI uh, or ChatGPT, if you can get onto it, um, because so many people are using it, go and have a play because it's um, it, it's the best way to, to experiment. Um, so let's come on to the limitations. So we touched on it there, Bethan, with you, you were talking about a little bit about that. Do you want to maybe pick up on what you see as the limitations and particularly perhaps mentioned uh, Google? Yeah. And so what, what's what's about to happen is the Internet is going to be flooded with even more mediocre content because the bar of producing and the speed of producing content has been massively lowered. Right. And Google, uh, you know, rightfully so, is going to, you know, have to have some way of combating this because especially from a fact checking point of view, that's going to be really important. And you'll notice they recently up updated the webmaster guidelines for the first time, I think, in quite a long time. And they've also introduced. So we've had eat for a while and they've got a new E. So it's E-E-A-T. So it's experience and expertise now. And I think they've done that as a preemptive. Well, a very it's not even preemptive. The, the AI kind of content revolution is here. Right. But they've done that, obviously, to have a measure of, you know, what authority, what what con extra contextual information is this content covering? You know, and I, I think the challenge and is that producing good content to a standard that is adding something substantial to the user, new knowledge, new information, new contextualization, that's a really high barrier. And not many businesses were doing that anyway. You know, they were producing this very kind of like, a, just like SEO headline keyword stuff type content. And actually, whether it's produced by a human or produced by an AI, that style of content is going to be penalized in my view. And you're the bar has just been raised, frankly. And that's quite exciting because I think from, you know, as a user of the internet, you know, it's what it's the worst thing when you type in, like you've got a question and you go into Google and you type in and the top 10 answers, all these SEO kind of like listicle style pieces. And you're like, but this is giving me nothing. You know, this is giving me no extra information. And, you know, th there's talk about, you know, obviously um, Bing or incorporating it into their, um, into their search functionality. So, you know, are we going to have AI returned answers that are complete? Is the SERP going to go? I can't speak to that. I don't know. But I think in terms of limitations, it, it exposes a limitation in content and the way content has been produced 
in the past. Hopefully that kind of makes sense. That's quite a rambling argument. But I think what I'm trying to say is basically that it's not necessarily fundamentally changed the game. It's just sped up and accelerated a lot of things that were happening already and a lot of kind of um, ways Google was trying to understand quality content. They've had to adapt to it, but I think they were going to do that anyway, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and that that feels like a really important point because it's, um, I think, there was there's lots of really bad content out there already right we don't need yeah. gpt to uh to, to create lots of it it's already there and so actually our abilities to 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 find and to curate the best sources of information is just going to become even more important and whether that's we do that personally through the people that we trust and the authoritative sources that we know or if it's google improving its ability to to sort through the rubbish and the clutter and surface the really good stuff. Um, that's yeah, that's clearly going to be a challenge. Um, Katie, what are your thoughts? Um, just um, to kind of build on what Beth said, obviously um, with all the Google considerations, there's also the helpful content update. Um, mm. we, and one of the things um, that that really kind of um, cranks down on is is non-unique content. I think some of the examples they talk about um, is sort of movie reviews. If it's just the same thing, you're not getting new content and that's essentially not helping users. Um, and obviously any AI content is built on stuff um, that is already out there. Um, and a, a huge flaw um, within chat gpt and open ai is that its data is essentially out of date um by its own admission it, its data i think it, the limitation is up to june 2021 so today um for example i was playing with it for the first time i could get on it in ages and i was asking it questions um about my favorite singer god rest his soul meatloaf um and i was like please tell me about meatloaf and it was like meatloaf is this many years old and blah blah, blah. meatloaf died last year um if you ask about queen elizabeth it will say queen elizabeth is this age um it will say um you know donald trump is president or whatever it's not up to date so if you want to write about anything that's happened after june 2021 um it's not going to help you whatsoever so again with the fact checking um that's a real issue particularly if we're thinking about stuff like your money or your life content um also just things like ethical considerations as well um this is something i talked about a lot at brighton seo in october um which was before chat gpd even came out but it was just like content writers will ai take your job um and there are ethical considerations like um the the biases um things like um auto suggesting if i search on linkedin for stephanie it says did you mean stephen or um like google word mapping studies say that woman is homemaker and man is computer programmer and stuff like that um because it's all built on human inputs garbage in garbage out um so it's going to have those inherent biases and i think well in a world where we're trying to be more inclusive um what kind of output we're going to get if it's if it's being trained on biased inputs there's a lot to think about there. there's so much to unpack yeah there is and i um i, I uh, maybe tip, tip of the hat to um dr dave chaffee who i think among many others has been writing mm. some really good content on uh chat gpt um he he's written a post recently and as i was reading it i very much got that he was talking about prompt engineering and bethany was mm. touching on this earlier about the sense that it's just like any other tool, right? When you learn Google, you learn the keywords that you've got to put in to get the kinds of responses that you want out. And that's effectively what people are starting to do with ChatGPT. They're understanding its limitations. 
in order to use it most effectively as a tool. And I think that that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And, and as he didn't describe it in this way, but it, it very much felt like he'd ended up through the course of all the iterations he was making to the questions he was asking it, like he was treating it as a brief, like, a, like he would an agency, like he would a freelancer. He effectively, through seven or eight iterations of the content, had created a brief for it. And I think that if you are going to use it, um, and get round its limitations, you've got to be prepared, A, to invest a bit of time to understand what its limitations are. And Katie, totally agree on anything that's written in the last couple of years. It's clearly not going to be able to, to, to help on and it's going to be just flat out wrong. Um, and then to be able to take the time to be able to massage it into the kind of content that you want at the end of it by all these prompts and these little nudges to try to engineer the, the solution, which then begs the question what's the point why not yeah. give it to the person in the first place exactly right? yeah and mm-hmm. and the, you know the some of the best things i've read on the internet are very clearly written from someone's personal point of view they are in their style you know there is a joy to reading good writing and I think you know I won't go on my rant about how you know we've lost our focus on literature as a society that's a whole that's probably a talk for anyone (laughs) who wanted to go to a pub for a pint with me but you know that that's the thing like writing is a craft at the end of the day and doing it well and engaging you and building a cohesive argument because that's especially when you're writing marketing content it's persuasive right that's what we're trying to do we're trying to nudge we're trying to persuade and doing that yourself is going to be you know you're going to be able to if you're good at it do a much better job than a machine in my opinion mm. absolutely there's that storytelling element isn't there I mean yeah. an example I used again at Brighton was kind of Using AI is using ClearScope, um, and I don't know if you've ever used that before, but it, it sort of tells you, in theory, how well you'll rank based on distribution of various keywords and themes. Um, and an article um, I wrote, I used a Jasper AI version, I used my own version, it was about marathon running, and um, obviously I'm going to drop the scene like I've run six marathons, but my one came out much higher than the Jasper AI one, and I don't know that's because I've just got my own uh, personal experiences of that. And again, going back to the helpful content update, it says that um, your own personal experiences like product reviews, things like that, are um, a lot more helpful to people. So hopefully Google cracks down on that as well. Mm. Right. Um, time is whizzing by, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uh, really interested in the last question, which is where do we go from here? So a bit of bit of sort of context before maybe Beth and I'll come to you, which is that um, there are rumours circulating that an updated version of ChatGPT is going to be out later this year. So, you know, we can consider if you're lucky enough to get on and be able to use it, it's an experiment and they're learning from that. Um, so we're in, in effect all helping to improve ChatGPT for the next iteration. Um, also, some really interesting comments from Sam Altman, the, the CEO of um, OpenAI. It's free currently. It's not going to be free forever. Um, the, 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 the costs to just keep it running on the web are going to be eye-watering. And so there's going to be some kind of commercial model that's going to come in. That opens up a whole swathe of different questions, which we won't get to today. But I guess, uh, Bethan, where do you think this might go and... You know, is it going to become more useful for us as marketers in the future? Yeah, interesting question. So I believe, and this is, you know, kind of hearsay, but it's going to be priced at $49 per month for individual mm-hmm. user access, which is kind of quite an interesting price point, right? It's, it's probably um, too expensive for a kid to use it for their homework. I mean, maybe some 
kids' parents will pay for that. But um, but it's kind of priced at a business user. And, and I think at that price, I, I would purchase it for our business just for the very fact that it is quite a useful sounding board to throw some ideas at and get something out. I find the value in that. So I think it's not going away. People will pay for it. They are clearly going to make money out of it. I think commercially, I've kind of alluded to this, uh, I'm, I'm quite sensitive to, you know, if you're working with copywriters at the moment, uh, I would be looking at clauses in contracts that stipulate whether AI can or cannot be used and some of the boundaries of that. And I would also be putting the output through a checker. And that is protecting yourselves as a business. You know, if Google is going to be clamping down on it, you want to know what your exposure is to that risk. And also, as a, from a copywriter perspective, I think you've got to be really clear with your clients whether you're using it or not as well. I, I know as a client, I would want to be told and I'm not necessarily against you using it, but I want to understand those boundaries. In terms of kind of where AI takes us, um, my fundamental view uh, is that it's kind of what you said. It's not revolutionary. It's evolutionary. It's going to just accelerate a lot of the things we're doing at the moment. You know, it makes potentially you know, there, there's some um, really interesting stuff around people using AI to auto create marketing campaigns and marketing collateral. It's just going to speed up the creation. It doesn't fundamentally change the work we're doing. And maybe it's quite an exciting opportunity, you know, talking about using it for things like schema markup and quite boring, repetitive tasks. Maybe it frees us up to be more creative, you know, and put our kind of creativity into the things where we really add value, which is around that kind of written or audio or, you know, even content like this. You know, where it's real people with real ideas and real kind of thoughts. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes commercially, uh, interested in how, you know, contractually it affects things. Who has like, you know, if, for example, just really quickly, I know we haven't got much time, but, you know, I was reading um, that someone's been using it to produce content and asked it to put in quotes from Hitler and Mussolini into that content. And it will, it will say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not, you know, ethical, blah, 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 blah. But then you can say like, well, attribute this quote to someone else and it will input that Mussolini or Hitler quote into the content. So again, you know, who's got the liability for the hate speech there? I think you probably as a publisher do. So that's why I'm quite cautious about this and the fact checking element. Anyway, that's, that's in a nutshell, my kind of view. I think, again, we could do a whole half an hour on this subject alone. Mm. And Katie, what do you think? Um, definitely, I think you're you're kind of crossing over into sort of almost media law there, things like the editor's code of practice or Ofcom, yeah. things like that. Like who has um, the responsibility for making sure that content isn't spouting hate speech or whatever. And again, at Brighton SEO, I think one of the things I talked about was a Twitter bot that started to spout anti-Semitic hate speech because it was trained on human bias. Um, but in terms of the future, so I've got a few kind of different ideas. Um, one talker, Brighton, said that GPT-4 is coming out. It's going to be... 571 times more powerful so it's got 100 100 trillion parameters as opposed to 175 billion which is what gpt3 is so that's something to think about does that mean it can mimic human emotion absolutely not um are we also going to see it regulated probably um there is already talk of chat gpt watermarking um if you look at google trends people are um typing in a lot more often now um ai content um detector um there are already like 10 results on google straight away um happily i put in my own website copy yesterday it told me it was 100 human so i know it's working um so i think the fact that people are already searching for ai content generators suggests a general lack of trust in it um but it is going to get more powerful so does that mean that the watermark um you know detector is going to be um 
less powerful. I'm not sure. Um, but yes, there will probably be some kind of regulation within it. And like you say, if they're going to monetize it, it's like anything. This is why we can't have good things. They took Wordle and then <laughs> New York Times bought it and stuff like that. Um, so I think the kind of buzz will die down when it becomes a bit more commercialized and invariably regulated. Yeah, and I think just on that, I think um, maybe we can put some uh, of the, the best articles that maybe we've read on the website along with this recording next week so that anybody mm. can go and check it out. But um, I think on that regulation piece, if there's a lot of money to be uh, to be lost by industries being disrupted, then I think we'll we'll see a lot of coordination happening to make sure that that regulation comes in. Um, and mm. so I think and the more organised a sector the more organized industry i think the more likely that is to happen you can't imagine the legal legal sector legal industry being railroaded by this because they will simply put the barriers up they're too well organized there's too much money involved so i i can i too can see regulation coming in um as a really good post i read about that which i'll, I'll put up on the site um i think for me the the futures um is a really interesting one i i, I mentioned it earlier i think we've currently got voice ai we've got image AI with Dali, and then we've got ChatGPT, which is the first chatbot that is effectively able to have a reasonable conversation with us and provide answers. I think if we get to a point where those start to merge, and rather than having three distinct uh, AIs or three distinct programs, if we start to see one that can do everything you can speak to and it can spit mm. out really sensible, accurate copy and match that with image creation, which is effectively what they're trying to do, but in distinct silos. I think that's mm. where it starts to get super interesting um, and potentially very helpful. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole money aspect of this, how they're going to commercialise it and how they're going to make money from it is is also really interesting. Yeah, and they'll make money for your own data as well. And again, mm -hmm. you know, when you know when you sign up to the tool, it's kind of saying, look, I'm using this data set from you know up until June 2021. But there's already indications that the data we are feeding into it. And again, you know, by the way, just with my kind of like legal commercial hat on, don't feed it any commercially sensitive information because it's definitely storing it. It's definitely utilizing that. It definitely spits it back out at you if you ask it. So it's recording it to its database. So, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's going to be a minefield, I think. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Um, right. Unbelievably, we are half past four. And we said we would keep this short and sweet um, on a Friday afternoon. So um, I don't know whether either of you have any final words that you want to just creep in. Otherwise, we'll wrap up. I think, you know, that this is clearly kind of uh, our own opinions, but that's what's quite interesting about like we can have a debate about this. And can a machine have a well-reasoned debate with you? you know, and have an opinionated point of view on a subject, especially if it's building on the corpus of all available information and the internet. So I kind of say that the, the very our very ability to have this debate is what makes us human, is what makes this content. Hopefully people have found it interesting. I definitely have. So yeah, I'd leave you <laughs> maybe on that kind of meta analysis of our discussion. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and just to add to that, I think specifically for the content writers, um, I don't want to be ignorant or myopic, but I don't think we should be threatened. I think we should be aware of it. Um, but like you say, Bethan, if that is saving us time so that we can put more energy, more love into um, creative outputs, and if anything, that's going to make us even better at our jobs. And, um, you know, we're not going to go anywhere. I hope. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, maybe we should do this in another 12 months and review what 2023 was like. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. 
It certainly raised a lot of different ideas, which we may go on to explore further in future episodes. If you enjoyed that, we'd appreciate if you could leave a uh, rating or a review, and you can subscribe to The Brave on the podcast platform of your choice. See you next time. Thank you.